welcome to Harlow on Healthcare. I'm David Harlow, and I invite you to join me by my virtual hearth as I sit down with healthcare leaders to discuss building the future of healthcare. Today, my guest is Patty Riskend, who is the CEO at Orbita, and she is a career as a dynamic healthcare tech leader and has developed innovative software products, uh, digital solutions, streamlined operations, and has managed high-performance teams across the industry. She's also held leadership positions with Qualtrics uh, as the head of global healthcare there, and at Prescani as the chief client experience officer. And deeper in the past, we share an alma mater, We've both been at Brown University back in the day. And Patty, it is nice to have you here. Welcome and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, David. I'm thrilled to be here. So tell us a little bit about Orbita. What are you doing and where are you going? So Orbita is a conversational AI company And we are the connective tissue that helps patients and providers communicate and coordinate more efficiently. So what does that mean? We use virtual assistants that leverage chatbots, text, email, and voice, both IVR and smart speakers, to connect the dots in healthcare and make it easier to navigate, whether that's capturing or gathering information to help people with symptoms or finding a doctor or a location, to scheduling an appointment, to pre-visit paperwork, post-visit follow-up, and remote patient monitoring. We leverage automation and we use conversational AI to make those encounters human-like. Our tagline is automation with empathy, so we strive to replace the redundant tasks that are prevalent across healthcare and use technology to make doing business in healthcare easier. So is this focused on the patient, on the consumer, or is this also focused on other actors within the healthcare system? Well, it's actually both. So from a consumer perspective, when someone is trying to find information or schedule an appointment or better understand medications, Orbita can help by creating virtual assistance on, say, a hospital website, on a medication website, on a pharmaceutical company's website, um, to help, one, find the information in the first place, and then explain it in layman terms to a consumer who's trying to figure things out. At the same time, we help healthcare providers, whether that's nurses, doctors, and others that work in the healthcare system, to streamline workflows. So for example, today, oftentimes people make a phone call to schedule an appointment. And so that requires call centers or front desk staff to take those those phone calls. We try to alleviate that by empowering a consumer or a patient to be able to schedule those appointments themselves. And we do that by asking a series of questions. So if someone is looking for a migraine doctor, we understand they're looking for a neurologist 
And we can ask a series of questions to understand, do they have a primary care physician who might have to write a referral for that neurology visit and help, help them navigate who to talk to, where to go, and how to be more efficient in terms of getting their migraine problem addressed. So we do what, what I call matchmaking, where a consumer will have specific questions and we can translate that to understand the right path to put them down in terms of the medical solutions, the right physicians to see, the right facilities to go to, because we can take all the pathways or the algorithms into account and then make it feel seamless. So on the one hand, we're helping consumers and patients find what they need and get from point A to point B. And on the other hand, we're really helping the healthcare provider to be more efficient, in some cases to drive revenue because we can help with scheduling and help with conversion of patients to get them where they need and what they want. And in turn, that, that helps the healthcare provider deliver the care that they're trying to deliver. We often hear about comparisons between healthcare and other sectors and sort of the, the relative maturity of different parts of the interface with consumers and patients, right? In this realm, we sometimes hear about well, you know, retail or banking or financial services, and the general gist is always, well, you know, everybody else is 10 years ahead of healthcare. Do you think that's a fair comparison? Do you think uh, patients and healthcare consumers have that same sort of perspective and are just frustrated as hell with their healthcare organizations? You know, where where are we on this front? So I think they are frustrated. I think that consumers today expect the open table experience or the Amazon experience or the online banking experience. And when they come to healthcare, it's very analog. They oftentimes have to pick up the phone or they're calling and it's after hours and they can't reach someone. So I think that healthcare, and I've worked in the industry a long time, it's still behind. <laughs> We're making strides. And I do think COVID helped to shine a light on how desperately the healthcare system needs needs transformation and needs technology in order to make it easier. And we saw many hospitals, health systems, physician groups rally and start you know, telemedicine, which was very, very nascent at the beginning of COVID, and now it's here to stay. And I think that the expectation from a patient or consumer perspective is that healthcare should be as easy as calling an Uber. And so we need to make that a reality. And what Orbita does is strive to do that. We really try to take how you type something into a Google search bar. We do it, but for healthcare specific reasons and purposes. So our intention is to really make it easy to find information, to gain access, and then correspondingly help physicians, nurses to practice at the top of their license and not be burdened by the administrative tasks that oftentimes take a lot of time. Sure. So, well, didn't take us long to get to an Uber of healthcare moment, <laughs> but <laughs> I wonder about the telehealth um, comparison or observation here. 
because not that we're post COVID, but as we're in a new phase or what I prefer to think of as the next normal, mm-hmm. the telemedicine volume has dropped precipitously, right? So is there more of an expectation of in-person care? Well, I said with that drop, there is more of an expectation of in-person care. Do the needs in terms of digital interactions for patients change in that context? How do we create a digital on-ramp to a live in-person experience? So telehealth has decreased from the time during COVID, but I think now it's an expectation that someone can get a telehealth visit as easily as they can call and or ideally check in online and see someone um, in person. And of course, there's going to be, you know, the in-person interaction is never going to go away. But uh, I think there's ways technology can be used, to your point, make the on-ramp easier. So if it's, I'm I'm a great example. I'm a very busy person and I will get a notification that I'm due for my physical or for my, you know, annual colonoscopy. And I'll receive a text, but then what my health system does, it's a text to call. So I click on a link and I have to make a phone call and I'm notorious for calling after hours. And then I have to put something on my calendar to ensure that I can make an appointment when the physician's office or the the call center is available. I'm satisfying what they need versus they're accommodating my schedule. So ideally, what technology can do is I receive that text and right then and there, I can schedule an appointment. I can click on a link that authenticates me and then I can pick the right time of day, the right location, the right physician for me and schedule that appointment and then correspondingly receive reminders or the ability to reschedule all from my cell phone or all from my laptop or my desktop or in some cases by phone. If I can call, I can get into, say, an IVR interface and I can tell the automated attendant what I need and ideally they understand and can correspondingly schedule and make the appropriate changes that I might need. So I think we're getting there, and um, technology is certainly in place to help make that happen. And in turn, that should make the process within person more efficient. And if we can do intake forms instead of the clipboard when you arrive at the, at the doctor's office to eliminate the need for the wait times or at least shorten them, then it makes life easier both for the patient and for the provider. So I do think that taking advantage of technology is needed, and many organizations are starting to embrace it, but there's certainly more that need it than probably have have adopted. Right. And to be frank, we've been hearing this story for, you know, 10 years, 12 years, 15 years, 20 years. It's been Um, a while. And... To quote the old saw, you know, the future is already here. It just isn't evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the future is here and it hasn't really arrived. To use your your own example, you know, the, the health system that you're dealing with maybe has figured out that they should be texting you. But if, if you don't have the off hours interface available, then that's a problem. How does that affect 
sort of the competitiveness of the healthcare organization. So you're offering a tool, there are other tools out there. Not everybody's adopting these, it sounds like, or they're adopting different flavors that maybe aren't right for their audiences. How does a healthcare organization need to be thinking about all of this? So you are right that many healthcare organizations, they've taken some baby steps, but they haven't thought through end to end. And in some cases, they haven't started with the end in mind to know, all right, what are the steps that need to be taken in order to get the desired outcome? I mean, we think about things clinically that way, but we probably need to think about workflows from an administrative perspective the same way. So nothing worse than a negative or an annoying automated attendant. You know, so I'll call the airline and get frustrated and start saying agent, agent on the phone. And so that causes more problems than a positive experience. So I do think that healthcare organizations need to be careful and select partners or build themselves a process that takes into account what to anticipate. And I think that's one of the things Orbita does is that we build knowledge bases for specific procedures, for specific medications, for specific processes to try and anticipate what that workflow will look like, what questions will be asked so that someone doesn't hit a dead end. Because there's nothing worse than, you know, using technology that doesn't work. So we really strive to make sure that we think the whole thing through and ultimately deliver a positive digital experience that you know, many times is easier, faster, more efficient than a non-digital experience. So I think that hospitals today, there's a lot of choices and there's a lot coming at them and they need to take into consideration who, which, which partner has the capabilities that can offer truly an empathetic and uh, both efficient as well as effective experience. And uh, I would say some folks have, have started down the path and they're going in the right direction, but there's certainly more to do and more to accomplish. If you're just tuning in, this is Harlow on Healthcare coming to you on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm David Harlow, and my guest today is Patty Riskind, CEO at Orbita. Patty, we're talking about the pathways that are being implemented or being digitized, and that raises for me the constant question of, are we paving the cow paths, right? Uh, that's how some people explain the unique setup of the downtown streets of Boston, where I'm from, or do we fall into that same trap on the digital front? Or are you involved in re-engineering processes as well as digitizing them? That's a great question. Because I do think there's the risk of, this is how we've always done it, and now let's just apply technology to it. And I do think that Transitioning to be digital first allows us to take a step back and say, how should we design the experience? And if you look at the Amazons or the Ubers or the open tables, they've transformed how we use how we shop, how we call for a cab, how we schedule, you know, a dinner reservation. 
So I think healthcare has can, has examples to learn from on what to do to make our processes more efficient. I mean, healthcare is the only industry I think that has waiting rooms, other than perhaps airlines when you're waiting for a flight to take off. But what we saw during COVID is that there were no more waiting rooms. It was just-in-time delivery. You received a text, and that's when you went in the building. And what we've now resorted, we've gone back to waiting rooms, which is a little disappointing because we became very efficient in that process. And we have to be careful of not sliding back into old habits just because this is how we've always done it. So I do think that in the process of digitizing, there's an opportunity to say, all right, how can we make this elegant? How can we not only save time for the patient, but also save time for our clinicians to make their lives easier and to leverage the systems that are in place? So we integrate with electronic health record systems, with CRMs, and a lot of money has been spent on investing in these technologies, which themselves have created silos. So we try to be the glue in the cracks and fill in the cracks to help make getting from point A to point B easier. And despite you know wanting folks to log into a portal, only 30% of patients actually have a portal profile set up. So if there's ways to drive adoption of portals by leveraging technology in a different way, I mean, that's one option, but it's thinking about it in terms of how can we make things simpler? How can we make it easier? And hopefully the, the impact will be on all sides, on all fronts, both on those that are delivering care as well as those receiving. Sure. Well, just to talk about portals for a minute, I mean, that was driven by the High Tech Act and maybe in a way that didn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And so we're dealing with hopefully the tail end of Portal 1.0, and maybe we're getting into more intelligent portals and portals that can work across systems of folks with complex medical conditions experience what some may call portalitis, right? Multiple mm-hmm portals and the inability to connect across systems. And to me, that's an example of a digital initiative that maybe does more more harm than good, right? It's sort of a fragmentation of care rather than a streamlining of it, it care. It turned out that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if in your work, you you have come across other examples of digital initiatives that end up doing more harm than good? Well, we, we see a lot of point solutions. So it's yeah, I, working with some organizations where they have 15, 20 different point solutions that have to be connected or <laughs> woven together. And so while initially probably it's, oh, I, I want to I implement this because it solves a particular problem, there isn't a holistic perspective that's taken to understand, all right, if I do this one thing, what does it mean for this, that, and the other down the line? So I think that that has caused a few bumps in the road or spend that probably could have been spent more efficiently and more effectively. So part of what we do is try to analyze, all right, what are all the pieces that are in place? And meet our customers where they are, because oftentimes they're not ready to say, okay, let's throw everything out and let's just use Orbita to help the entire patient journey flow. So as a result, we piece things together for folks. 
and try and make at least the experience from the patient or the consumer's perspective feel like it's it's uniform and that it's streamlined versus disjointed. And so I think that, that like, uh, you know, sometimes it, you know you could have a rip and replace opportunity, but more often it's an integration of disparate yeah, systems, right? Do it in steps, right? So healthcare is not known for throwing the, <laughs> throwing caution to the wind. So as a result, we'll start with integrating to fill in the cracks. And then we get to a point where they say, wait, I, we don't need this because we're it's faster to get from step one to step two in a straight line than going through three, four, five different steps. <laughs> but uh I, I do think that longer term, the conversational AI automated workflow process can serve to dramatically streamline. And I know that many institutions are very wed to their electronic health record system. And so how do we make that experience better? How, do we, how are we the layer on top that serves as the front door to really help engage patients in a way that's easier and more flexible than sometimes some of these electronic health record systems are? So it's a layer and it's a front door, but it's for a, as I understand it, what you're offering is sort of a, a particular set of use cases, right? There are other folks out there who are offering other layers on top of the EHR systems that have a different focus? Is that a fair statement? Yes, that's definitely a fair statement. I think we're probably more focused on alleviating the administrative tasks, finding information, scheduling appointments, intake questionnaires or assessments, post-visit follow-up to assess, you know, so a nurse doesn't have to make those phone calls. So we're looking at ways to alleviate the administrative burden on the providers and the administrative staff within a health system. There are other solutions out there that are more clinical in nature, where right. they're getting you know much more detailed in terms of from a patient health management perspective on you know what should happen for second and third and ensuring that those treatment protocols are are implemented. So we are less clinical and more administrative, but uh, we're used for reducing the administrative burden for clinical processes if that makes sense. Sure. So I'd like to return to a discussion of where are we in terms of the next normal on the arc of progression with COVID and starting where we were in early 2020, where we are now, where we might be going in the future. There have been tremendous changes. We're talking about a shift to telemedicine. There's been a little contraction and return to in-person. There's been the issues around return to the waiting room. And as you said earlier, maybe we should be post-waiting room in healthcare at this point. So where are we? How can the digital interaction integrate with the in-person interaction, which is never going to go away in healthcare? And where are we on that journey uh, it sounds like your view is that COVID has accelerated that progress on that journey. And, you know, where, where are we and sort of what do you see as the next set of opportunities there? So I do think that COVID accelerated things and I, I still think we're at the beginning. <laughs> so we've seen how telehealth can work. And I think along those lines, you know, today, 
Uh, we have terrible backlogs in urgent care and emergency room departments. We have um, backlogs with specialty care or I know with you know mammograms, colonoscopies, there's long wait times to get in and have those preventive procedures implemented. There's ways that we should take advantage of technology to improve access and to find ways to reach those that have trouble securing access. So there's you know underserved communities where technology probably really can help and leverage both from a telehealth, a, a video visit, as well as just by telephone and reaching someone on their cell phone. So I do think that it's an opportunity for us to learn from COVID and see what we've accomplished from what was done with telehealth and extend that. And are, you know, for the future, are there ways to leverage devices that could be plugged into your cell phone to help monitor patients who have chronic conditions to take take the Fitbit and the Withing scale to the next the next step and allow for patients to take care of themselves from home. I know that hospitals at home is another growing area that's being explored. And I think that technology plays a large part in that. I think we're just at the beginning of seeing how automation can not only make lives easier in terms of access, but actual treatment and the ability to leverage both the in-person when you can gain access to it, as well as the virtual, because there's going to be more patients to take care of as the population ages. And we have to find more efficient ways of doing that. So Patty, we've we've very naturally arrived and maybe prefigured my final question to you, which is if you were to wake up tomorrow and find yourself five years in the future, what's one thing in healthcare that you would hope or expect to find has changed drastically? So I'm hoping in five years it's just so much easier to schedule an appointment. <laughs> so That'd be a start. Right? I mean, I'll ask for little things just to start that one, there's outreach to help me understand what I should be doing from a prevention perspective and a wellness perspective. And two, that resources are easy to access, both in person and virtually, and that it's as elegant as calling an Uber or as elegant as ordering something on Amazon that healthcare systems make it so much easier for patients to do business and for those delivering care to feel like their calling has been answered and that they're spending more time interacting with patients versus interacting with electronic health record system or having to do updates at night, that kind of thing. So we've got a, a burned out workforce that we have to figure out better ways of helping them to treat patients. So I'm hoping in five years, it's just, it's, we're there. Great. What, what I always say is sort of get people practicing at the top of their license mm-hmm. and get the machines to do the things that machines can do. Exactly. Um, well, I hope we get there and maybe get there a little bit sooner. You and me both. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You have been listening to Harlow on Healthcare. Join us at healthcarenowradio.com. Let's continue the conversation on building the future of healthcare together at hashtag Harlow on HC. I'm David Harlow, keeping the fire going and holding a seat open for you. Until next time.